Oh, Keller with your licorice stick and your, what do they call it? Hey, you play your skin flute, douchebag. Douchebag. What's going on, dickheads? Thank you guys very much for listening to another episode of The Music Dicks. Tristan's here as always. Not saying anything as always. Yeah, I think it's worth saying that you're all here as always, though, because Tristan's Tristan's the only one that's been here since day one. I'm consistent. He's got that day one ish over here. <laughs> OG. And then not only is Tristan here today, but a good friend, um, may I say, family member, uh, may I say, fellow musician, may I say, bandmate. There's a bunch of words I could use to describe him. Mr. Warren Keller is here as well. Howdy. 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 How you doing, Warren? I am good now that I'm with you guys. That's good. That's good. He's, yeah, I love how he comes in and says, howdy. It's the last thing I'd expect to hear from you. It's not. It's like, howdy, I don't hear in your regular everyday vocabulary. Yeah, that's Bronx. That's time. Bronx. It's pure Bronx. It's pure Bronx. Yeah, howdy. Yeah, howdy. What, what should I have said? How you doing? Yeah, you should have really took that uh, Really took that opportunity to sound as New York-y and right, New Jersey-y right. as you could have. So where are you from, Warren? Are you from New Jersey? Yes, I, I am. I was, I was born in the Bronx, New York. The and Bronx. I grew okay. up in very rural New Jersey. If you guys have heard okay. of six flags great adventure in the middle of the pine barrens in new jersey that was our hometown and lived all over the garden state that's uh i feel like most of this interview is going to be very interesting to tristan because <laughs> yeah, he doesn't josh probably knows all of he us. doesn't know you quite as well as i do right. so it's it's just uh, the first time he's hearing those things it's like we're an old married couple i'm like you told me the story five <laughs> times already but no i uh, I'm, I'm used to hearing a lot of these stories so tristan's going to be very very um entertained good and that's really us. our point yeah yeah, just to entertain, entertain me. People. That's what the podcast was for. Josh is like, dude, I want to entertain you for when, the rest of my life. When Let's you start ha- a podcast. When you have no time to do anything, you turn on the music decks and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm mildly entertained. I'm not <laughs> very entertained. But Warren, not only a musician, but very busy in his own profession that's not music. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. He uh, makes enough time to play music with me and the other guys in the Crooked Roots, although we haven't been doing much of that lately, sadly enough. But he's also got a little uh, smooth jazz project that, uh, may I add, before we go too deep into it was recently played on Sirius XM. Yay! Woot. I mean, you may take that lightly, but to me, it's That's like... a big thing, man. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty, pretty big thing. Well, you know, again, it, the, the monitoring is so complex, right? So you see, no, there really was a spin. And, you know, it's identified by an audio uh, imprint, right? And it's like, but who played it? When? And initially, we were really excited because we thought, oh, it's an ad. I mean, it's an ad. But it turns out um, Dave Koz, many folks might know, he's kind of the top of the top of the game in the contemporary smooth jazz sax player. Uh, He played it on his Dave Koz Lounge on Sunday, but it took a while to track down. Where it's, it comes it's on, from. It's on watercolors, right? Yes, watercolors 66 watercolors, yeah. right? Um, and it's, like I said, so not, like I said, we're kind of just jumping into that, but I kind of wanted to say that officially, yeah. not in writing, but in audio form. And now it's here. It's been said. Congratulations right. on that. Thank you very um, much. No, I mean, I think that's, so, so how, how does that come to be? Did, like, so you got a message or an email or well, a telephone call? Yeah, did they even tell you when they play? No. Not at all? No. Not until after? Or? Well, it was, it was rather complicated. I mean, nobody... You know, I, I work with a record promoter and I work with what I would call a kind of multi multitasking entity called smoothjazz.com. They're the largest streaming, you know, digital radio station in the genre. And they're also kind of a branding thing where okay. artists will work with them if they like what you're doing. It's like, okay, then you get to pay us <laughs> to do a singles campaign where we'll promote the heck out of you. And um, it's kind of 
kind of critical that you do it, I think. Uh, so they have very sophisticated monitoring of, of, of airplay. And it not only goes by uh, like the ISRC code of a, of, of a tune, it'll actually read the audio imprint, recognize, like what YouTube does when it yeah, flags yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it showed one ad and one play from Sirius XM watercolors. So again, initially it was like, oh my God, we got added. We're going to get played daily or whatever you know uh but then i was like yeah but it came on a sunday and so what's and so primetime hours (laughs) so it got traced back again to the dave cause lounge which he does so how how did you find out when and where and and, well you know what's what what show well of course i was excited and i wanted to hold on i have one question yeah is watercolors the name of the song no Uh, watercolors is the name of the 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 contemporary smooth station on on xm i've said it before and tristan can attest to the fact that we we had talked about Sirius XM one day, and I feel like jazz is really under. They only have yeah, like three three stations they, for jazz. They literally have you know one true real jazz station, which is sixty seven. I think it's real jazz, and then again, I mean, even as a subgenre thing, like there's only three under under your categories in Sirius. There's only three there I'm three not stations. Even sure that there's a third. I think there is, and if it's not, you know what it is? It's BB King's Bluesville because there's not a blues genre on Sirius when you go to list really i was going yeah, to that's s- very surprising that, that is, there's that many like yeah. metal stations that is weird or- i was going to say you know we're kind of rural here in in where we are in west virginia so we have dish rather than cable and dish network carries sirius xm but it's also got what they call these cd stations which uh for instance dish, dish network will i'm sorry uh Direct TV has what they call music choice. So it's a whole nother set of programming. And I'm fortunate enough on my home television that I get a bunch of jazz yeah, and contemporary jazz the on the dish. But again, as far as Sirius XM, I'm not sure that there's even another uh, jazz thing. So yeah, it was kind of confusing there. We knew it got played and we were excited to blast it out there, but we just couldn't quite figure out for a couple of days where it came from. So, you know, Dave Cause is, a, like I said, he's a big name, obviously a super nice guy. In fact, I, I know some some friends who met him recently. He's like, oh, here's free tickets to my jazz, my smooth jazz cruise. Come, come along, you know? Uh, but uh, I was going to say so he gets what's called the green stream radio blast that comes from smoothjazz.com where they send out to all the radio stations that they work with saying hey this is a new tune by da 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 so apparently he's on that mailing list and he will frequently go oh i like this and he goes ahead and plays Play it, it. but cool. it's like well you could have told <laughs> yeah kind of gave me a head so it's up. pretty surprising that there's only so many channels like that because there's just as many jazz genres for the most part as there is like you know different genres of blues and I such mean, like yeah, that like different classifications cool jazz and acid jazz and jazz jazz but I'll tell you what as you as you drive around the country uh, and I shouldn't have used the word country as you drive around the nation I mean oh my gosh you know the the religious shows on the low end the uh, the amount of country stations is just yeah. unbelievable that and you have your classic rock and you really other other than Philly or Pittsburgh or New York when you get into those FM signals yeah, unless really you've got digital station. or whatever that's you're you're lucky if you hear one jazz station so it's obviously not the not the genre one picks. Which is pretty sad. Because, it is. I mean, it's so complex and complicated to play. Um, I, I remember when, when I first started listening to any sort of jazz like um, oh not the BBC but what's the um, uh, NPR NPR would have their jazz nights or whatever yeah, it is. Like, okay, that'd be yeah. like the only way you could really hear any jazz right. on the radio around I'd be here. Fan of, uh, their right. little tiny desks. Right. 
stuff as oh, well. Yeah. They get a lot of good artists. And I, I'll tell you, recently I saw on Net, no, actually not Netflix, but on um, Amazon, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, video. We 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 talk about how the the music documentaries and stuff on there they are right. very a lot plentiful. Of, a lot of good ones. Well, there was one called um, Corporate FM, and it was you know just this really disturbing documentary about how all of these investment groups are buying up all these radio, radio stations, stations shit, and there's yeah. literally nobody there at the station. I mean, it's just canned, canned program. It's not authentic anymore at programming, all. Programming. And they're told exactly what to play. They can't even do like, uh, what do they call them, public service announcements. It's all ads. It's not basically stuff. they read off of just about everything that they say. Like It's, it's funny because right. we've kind of took a tangent on a tangent here from basically what we're planning. <laughs> That's to what talk. we do. But yeah, but, but if you think about it, it's like guys like Howard Stern. Right. If that was if times are reversed and Howard Stern's around now and really getting a start now, I don't know if he'd be as big of a name as he no, is because there's because the, the shock and all that Howard Stern originally brought that's everywhere nowadays. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, he was he was really an original. I mean, Don Imus kind of started it a bit. Imus, yeah, and of course Imus and Howard never got along because yeah. Howard was every bit, if not funnier. I don't think his. I don't think the qualities match. Still, like when you watch like Howard showed, even just from the last like couple of years, well, like it's still not. We've talked about that. Radio before as well like he not only has great musicians yeah. out there as guests but like the sound quality of the, oh, yeah, of the interviews yeah. that he He's does and, and, and the, when musicians come on there and play it's, it's and, and howard's mm -hmm. a you know all things aside a particularly excellent interviewer yeah oh absolutely, yeah, he really absolutely. Is one of the best radio voices of all time yeah i mean he just he he, he doesn't he asks the questions that you you kind of want to hear rather than your misses, standard where man. are you from what do you do you know what i mean he can right. talk for fucking ever i bet he talks in his sleep <laughs> well and you gotta figure uh, he's been doing it for so long all the people that he's interviewed and yeah. right you know get a chance to have a relationship with somebody not as much as just hey you know right. i'm here to interview somebody but anyway let's get off this tangent here so it was a good tangent yeah it was a good tangent we'll, we'll keep all that 10 minutes of audio in there. What about tangerines? Tangerines, <laughs> yeah. Um, who killed tangerine? It's a great Tears for Fear song. Anyway, I digress once again on the tangent. Um, so Tristan, I mean, you don't really know much about Warren other than seeing us no, play. Not really. And not I mean, all. I mean, so so do you want to you want to ask some questions here, or do you want me to just ask questions that I know the answers to already and give them for for our listeners or? So, did you start playing saxophone first? Is that your only instrument that you... Well, I mean, I know you play flute as well. I, uh, he's, yeah, a, my, he's a flautist. My mom was a terrific uh, classical pianist and teacher, and uh, by her sheer will... She turned my father into an incredible operatic baritone when they were together. Uh, so music was all, you know, it was your life all the time. it was all like, you know, no, you're going to play an instrument, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, but it didn't start out well. She tried to start me on piano. My poor sister, she put at the piano at two years old. Now it it stuck with my sister Lisa. But I, unfortunately, I really wish I did stick with it at least on some level. Uh, and then and then we moved to this kind of cultural wasteland in North Jersey, and it's like, well, you're going to try accordion now, you know which is not okay, right. It's like right. you could be the world's That's a big jump. Yeah. The world's best accordion player, but no, nobody wants, <laughs> nobody wants to hear yeah. you. Right. I want to hear you. But when I moved back to, uh, I love accordion. Do you really? Yeah. I, I mean, Zydeco, I'm instruments. down with that. But, uh, so when I moved back to, uh, Jackson, New Jersey, our neighbor gave me an old clarinet and that really just stuck. Okay. So clarinet was and, like, yeah, I, I, stud okay. I, I studied with two incredible guys. One, actually quite famous, but both guys were just 
tremendous players. And then I switched to sax at about 16 or 17. Not switch, but, you know, mm-hmm. played baritone in, in stage band and eventually tenor. What made you want to switch? Well, you know, I was a chubby little fruit bat, basically. And it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, Keller with your licorice stick and your, what do they call it? Hey, you play your skin flute, douchebag, you know? So I'm like, I'm not marching with a freaking clarinet in ma- marching band, not to mention that our school was kind of poor, right? That's so we hilarious. had to wear these freaking boater hats, these straw boater hats. You know, all the other schools looked like freaking, uh, what do they call them? Like SS stormtroopers yeah. with these cool ass <laughs> uniforms. And we had this red blazer with a boater. So it's like, no, I can't play. And plus, I mean, I loved it for classical for uh, or the orchestra. But again, and then of course, making best friends for life with with band buddies in mm-hmm. high school yeah. band, we became a rock band together and we loved Chicago Transit Authority. So that's how we really started playing, bre- you know, trumpet, trombone, sax in a seven piece basic kind of See, that's Chicago thing. Because like every band story that I know from around here or, you know, of, of all my buddies, it was always just like a guitar and a drummer or a bass and right. stuff like that. And you're like, no, we had a trumpet and a clarinet. Right. Well, it, well, it was ridiculous. <laughs> we, it's because around here we're like, fuck no, we're not letting that guy in our band. He's right. playing a goddamn clarinet right yeah, i mean you know we're talking 40 40 chicago yeah. songs and then into the disco awesome. the disco funk era with all the great brass lines you know and uh so yeah so that's how i that's awesome here's a fun fact for you tristan we'll, we'll put the crickets in that's a ever going thing fun fact from chicago have you ever heard the song girl from buckhannon that's right a, a ballet for a girl uh, yeah in buckhannon uh-huh. yeah it's called, it's a suite, right? S U I T E. And it's yeah. called West Virginia Fantasies Ballet for a Girl in Buckhannon. And it's Buckhannon, West Virginia. Huh, that's really cool. I'll Ma- and, look I'll, it up. and I'll bet you know, like, Make Me Smile, uh, Color no. Color My World. He, he probably no. knows 25 or 6 to 4. Yeah, but that's not from the, the suite, right? Oh, I'm so I'm just it, saying, though, yeah. but Chicago. I don't know that you probably would oh, know you too much. I don't think I know Chicago. Chicago is great. But J- James Pankow, the trombone player, uh, was dating a West Virginia Wesleyan girl. Wesleyan, yeah. Okay. And okay. so the deal was that on the here goes another tangent, right? Uh, crickets, please. Yeah. Uh, on the on the album, it says ballet for a girl in Buchanan. Buchanan. And they misspelled yep. it. And then the live album from Madison Square Garden says, in New York, he goes ballet for a girl in Buchanan. And he yeah. says really emphatically. And no, it turns out, yeah. Huh. Lots of crickets on that one because fun, <laughs> fun facts all around. That's awesome. Tristan doesn't ever have any fun facts. Get a load of these sweet sounds from Chicago, boys. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, I, like like you had said, there's not many stories from people around here playing any other instruments than your standard. Yeah, you don't hear your well, guitar and stuff. And like that's that. why when when I play with Josh mm-hmm. here, Josh Falms being the Crooked Roots, like I, I've I've said it to people, I'm like I'm a fucking snake charmer. <laughs> Like I watch, I watch people. It's very sad. I watch people, and they go into like this. I don't know if it's like kind of especially older women. Yeah, like an ecstasy state, or their their eyes roll around, and initially it's like, oh, they don't like me. They don't like us. I'm like, no, wait a second. They're fucking. They're mesmerized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they get up on stage and then fall off. (laughs) Yeah, and then all then all then all of a sudden they realize like I never realized Pink Floyd had saxophone and shit like that. Well, they do actually, but it's more like I never realized that Sweet Home Alabama. 
Yeah. Sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, for instance, uh, turn the page. Oh, yeah. Pe- yeah. People here and all the, all of our, our yeah. redneck brothers and sisters right. here in West Virginia are like hearing a real saxophone. Right. It's funny because I've done it that. Is, it's a different thing. Man. It you is. Don't you don't hear that a lot. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I, uh, I, I, we did that song with Intent, and we would have Alan do that part on the keyboard, and he would turn the saxophone, like, you know, maybe sound. Yeah. And he had his, whatever that thing is on the piano where you can move it a little bit and it kind of like the bellows like the notes distortion yeah. yeah he would it's like a straight jackhammer that's what he would do but it's, it's funny because people hear that and they're like oh my god or, or they'll they'll come up to us and say they see you have a saxophone can, can you play turn the page or fearless whispers another one Car- careless, careless whisper yeah, yeah. And then, god uh, forbid i touch the flute and they go yeah. play jethro tall jethro tall they're uh, ready to hear some jethro years, tall i'm saying josh we need to do some jethro that's yeah. one i've not really listened to too much either it's jethro tall oh, he, god, he, he won the first that. metal award though so you're, he has to say something. You're, you're missing out terribly oh, with jethro gosh, tall amazing i mean on every level songwriting yeah. music singing, instruments singing. i listened to a little bit of his stuff here while back Rex. and was quite impressed actually oh. now that i'm thinking about it pure yeah. genius i i let you you have a record player at the house right yeah i'll let you borrow thick as a brick and you just put that mm-hmm. on and okay roll you up a yeah, i'll do it tonight left-handed mm-hmm. cigarette mm-hmm. you'll enjoy that um anyway so tristan would you like me to take over the, the questioning are you <laughs> bad cop or are you huh? good cop which one is it but i'm bad tristan's like, <laughs> tristan's like why the fuck did you come here why, why are you here no um so i mean like i said because because warren and i know each other very well on a on a you know multiple levels because we play music together but tristan's met him from coming to see us play and they've had their small talk conversations but they don't really know each other that well so i mean you're from jersey i am and i mean we kind of talked about what got you in or what instrument you started on so i, I know that you ended up in nashville at some point yep. so is that long road um a, a long one to tell or how did you end up in nashville so you know i was also a lead singer and i did not know that and Tristan, I'm telling you, he's he's, he's going to be mesmerized by oh, these yeah. stories. So again, you know, with the with the first band, and again, we had this wonderful Zoom meeting last week, and and we're still all best friends. I mean, six of us. It's amazing. Awesome. Six of us plus a sound guy and a road manager guy. So I mean, there's it's eight. It's awesome that eight of you have yeah. kept friends so long. Yeah, we love each other. You it's know, hard to happen. And uh, but you know, again, we started out as that kind of horn thing, and it's like, well, wait a second, I can sing. And my father's a freaking operatic baritone, right? It's like, and uh, so I came out eventually as front guy. And playing horn on the side, but front guy. Um, and so after I left the cover band, I really wanted to do original music. I wind up in New York City in, in 79 in the early 80s. And again, you know, uh, sharing a drummer with Billy Idol, Steve Missile that did the White Wedding album was our drummer and Ronnie and the Jitters. Uh, you play Max's Kansas City, Dance Teria, CBGB's, The Other End. It's like, oh, there's Myron Grumbacher. There's uh, Pat Benatar's drummer. Oh, there's Clem Burke, Belandi's drummer. Oh, there's David Bowie. <laughs> you know I mean? Thank you for Clem. Clarifying because all these young people out here are like, oh, right? That is, one, yeah. that is mean, one thing I'll say about a lot of drummers, man. They're very like uh, diverse in what they do. Like Danny, dude, he plays in like three different fucking acts. Like mm-hmm. he has a whole jazz act. Like you, a lot wow. of these drummers have their big bands and then they have these yeah. little acts on the side. Well, look That's at cool. to look at ahead, Dave Grohl, right? I mean, yeah, geez, yeah, he's got three hit acts that he's been in. Yeah. So again, you know, no, and, we, and in we, those days, and time out, we won't call Nirvana a hit act, but continue. <laughs> right, not on this. Podcast. I know you don't like not him. on this podcast, but continue. But so in New. York, I revert back to a saxophonist because I'm backing up Ronnie and Ronnie, Ronnie Decal and Ronnie and the Jitters, and then Louis, Louis and the Lost Hombres. I'm saxophone player to okay. Louis Panola, and and you know always always near misses, right? Like almost signed to the Stiff CBS, and and managed by Stan Poses, who managed the Raspberries and Eric Carmen, and thought you were going to get a deal there. Uh, so 
eventually I started to, you know, write my own. I always wrote, but I really loved, you know, the aspects of Americana and commercial country and stuff. I uh, really liked, uh, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp and uh, R.E.M. a little bit, that that Americana feel. So I'm, I was a very strong lyrical writer and a, and a good singer. And so, again, I wound up like it was coming out of, you know, when you just like automatic stuff, just, just like, it. where yeah, the heck yeah, is absolutely. this Nashville stuff coming from? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I wrote, I almost got a, a, a deal in New York before I left for Nashville. Warner elect, Warner Warner was interested in EMI. And it was like, well, you're a little too country for New York. And, you know, and Nashville's like- A little too like, country, a little too rock and roll. Right. <laughs> so I moved to Nashville and I was already, you know, 30s. Somebody said, you're a heck of a writer. You know, you're getting a little long in the tooth for the artist thing. You, you, why don't you buckle down to the writing thing, which I did. And again, you know, same, same crap. Uh, you know, uh, Daryl Singletary made your hold on him with a great song that doesn't get cut. Ariba and Garth take a, a Christmas song that I co-wrote with a guy. You know, they took that. That doesn't get cut. So you know, at some point, I felt yeah, like yeah. I felt like I did all I could do there. And when I left, I still had a publisher that was pitching the songs that I eventually had a falling out with. So did I answer the right question? Why I wound yeah, up yeah. in yeah, that's how you ended up in mm-hmm. Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. I believe. It's yeah, like you, you did all these things, and now you're like I, I settle with the Crooked Roots. And I played, <laughs> and I played, you know, I played sax in a in a cover band called the Markers with Mark O'Leary. And I also did a little jazzy duo uh, with a guy, Trey Hester. Uh, that was really cool. Like kind of, sort of kind of like what I'm doing now, like very melodic, groove oriented kind of stuff. And he was very talented too. So it seems he, like it's an ever recurring thing that you're in bands with the main guy's name in the title, Ronnie and the Jitters. That you named earlier um, from the, from the Jersey days. Um, Louis, Louis, yeah, Louis, yeah, you got all these names in the title. Right. Well, now it's Josh Falmsby through the Crooked Roots. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was getting to. It's like, what kind of name is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's like, Falmsby. <laughs> Falmsby. What? What? Yeah. Anyway. But uh, it's 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 crazy. And, and you, you've stated to me before, and this is, I mean, me knowing you very well, that Nashville basically drove you crazy on the on the, on the the writing standpoint, you know what I mean? Because this wasn't right, or you needed to change this, or, you know, and, and writing lyric-wise isn't something that you and I do together, but you revise a lot of the stuff that, right. that I, because you're used to seeing it and writing it. Well, you know how life is, is often gray, right? It's not black and white. And so what you're saying is true. It about drove me insane because it's such a literal genre, right? It's like, do, do you really mean but there? Don't you mean and this happened? No, no, that's right. You're right. Or do you really need this line? Because that doesn't advance the story or that's mm-hmm. a throwaway. So that drove you crazy. But by the same token, when you were done, even though maybe the art got sucked out of it, it was a polished gem yeah, yeah, yeah. of a crafted song. And honestly, in my in my day work, it was a blessing because I'm like the most succinct, clear technical writer in the world because I know exactly how to say what I mean and not waste yeah, the word. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely important. I, I feel like nowadays to a lot of listeners and we'll, we'll, we'll throw the quote unquote up there music listeners that it's not as important anymore well look and at Isabel well, I think he, he gets Isabel. both he gets both like he's very clear and technical and says what he needs to say but does it in a way that's well, fucking I think, super I think creative any, and artistic any of our reoccurring listeners know how I feel when you mm, feel about yeah, Jason yeah, Isbell but I mean, I mean right. and, just and Warren knows who Jason Isbell is you know through me right? and Tristan knows who he is through me I just I, I think that he's one of the better ones that are out yeah, there in the, sure. in the spotlight eye as far as somebody that's original and very very true 
true to themselves and what they do right. in a world that a lot of people aren't. But it's really important to have like that technical like precision when you're like writing lyrics sometimes, like especially if if you're in country music, surely. But, exactly. Like, I mean, it's a it's a story. Uh, you, you know exactly what you're intimating. It's a story genre delivering a very succinct mm-hmm. story. You know, how do you tell a life story in two verses and a chorus? And do you really need that bridge? Mm-hmm. Does that really do anything? Or it's like the Grateful Dead, and I half their songs I literally don't know what the fuck they're right, talking about. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you probably, if I went and read the lyrics, well, it's probably more. Well, of a story it's a very there, different. But, but it, very different. But, yeah, yeah, but it is. It's much more scattered and all. But just to be clear, I mean, I love artful lyrics yeah, that yeah, don't yeah. mean anything that make me go what was he thinking or yeah. what, you know I love that but then sometimes Josh and I will disagree on certain bands because we come together a lot but we yeah, totally yeah. diverge on others and there's some guys to me that don't know how to do nonsense good like I can't stand it and other people that are really saying nothing and mm. I just love I love what they're doing yeah okay that makes sense yeah guys like Eddie Vedder aren't Rob Zombies <laughs> dude Rob Zombies never said anything like meaningful his no. entire fucking career like not you're, once and I love you're, you're right. Zombie. Yeah, you're right. Some some of that but see that's the thing. I feel like there's <clears throat> there's there's three I mean, there's obviously more than three different types of music, but there's the music-oriented and driven music mm-hmm. that the lyrics don't mean shit and they never mean shit, point in case Rob Zombie, yeah. like you said, because it's the yeah, music yeah. and the driving and everything that's, you know, it's the, the driving music. The most, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and lyrics are just something that, you know, mm-hmm. after hearing it a while, you're not going to sing the like guitar parts. A lot, parts, of, a lot of really heavy metal and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah, so there's one. Two would be the music out there that is, is very good musically, but is very lyrically driven, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, where you're going to remember the lyrics not as much as you would a guitar solo or, you know, the hooks and just the guitar parts in the James you know, Blunt. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, well, pop music usually, you know, pop music's <laughs> yeah. a big thing for that. It, it's changed a lot too because there's like Michael Jackson's a different, different thing. You know, you got both and that's where I get to yeah. number three. The stuff that has really good music and stuff that has really good lyrics and it kind of, it just meshes yeah. perfectly. You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of bands you could set here and name for days that are very lyric driven and I mean, off the top of my head, I can't, I mean, you said like James Blunt or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, with, with the just the music driven like uh, Rob Zombie where you got lyrical and music driven where I talked about Isbel. Yeah. I feel like yeah. They're very good at doing that, but um, it's 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 a different thing. When we Warren and I've talked about it, like country now. Obviously, everybody knows country now is not the same thing as it was in the nineties. No, there's like and no I, obviously way though. before that. And right. I feel like the nineties into the early first couple of years of the two thousands is really where that that country ended and right. then this new cowboy not cowboy forgive me for saying cowboy because um, yeah that ain't even yeah this new stadium like trap country stadium raw or right. stadium country or um it, it's trap country well bro, bro country is what a lot of people call it <laughs> yeah that's also and fair. it's funny because chris uh rucker who's been on here for an interview before he he basically said that when your favorite country singer is wearing jeans with tassels and bedazzled mm-hmm. all over him then he's probably not your favorite country singer he's probably your favorite pop singer because that's what country has turned into and, and you and i have talked about that where there's this very generic music i just call it music yeah like music like if yeah almost if you but if you can't like you're tuning the stations you go oh oh that's oh that's contemporary christian yeah oh oh that's pop oh that's country it all sounds alike it's the same thing Mm. so and it's so it's so generic now and uh it's like it's like with networks television networks and stuff like they you know everybody thinks they got to be all things to all people to survive right so history's got history channel used to be about history now it's about gangs and all kinds of drug shows or whatever and so 
There's literally another History Channel for history now. Yeah. Like, well, MTV, case in point. MTV used yeah. to play videos, you know, right. I mean, now music. It's dog shit. Yeah. But anyway, but continue. it's but, but they, you know, they do that now musically, like all things to all people. It's like, no, if you're a country fan, you probably don't want a lot of rap influence in your country. Yeah. It's and, like, it's trap drums. Like, when you listen to a lot of these new, like, country songs, they're like, they're hitting their hi hats on. It's lit. Exactly. Yes. Well, and, and, and Chris agreed with me and the there. One and it's the, three. the one and the three. You get everybody clapping on the one. One and the three, stupid. and Isbo actually says that in one of his songs that everybody's clapping on the one and We're the three. We're white people, yeah. And Chris said only square. <laughs> Chris said, and I quote, only squares clap on one and three. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's it's a very different thing. I mean, I'm not the biggest country fan. Both of you guys know that, yeah. but but you that, like. I mean, I think but, you like a lot of older country. I do, but that that nineties that that night. Well, not so much. Kenny Rogers is good, but that's yeah. not something that would be on my everyday that's playlist. But anyway. I mean, the the nineties country, and I've stated it before, maybe not on the podcast, but I've said it before. People have heard me people you know trust me you can ask them they'll tell you mm-hmm. um 90s country is probably one of the better you know 10 I, years of music i thought 85 to well if you're gonna go 10 years we'd 85, say 85 to right before about 98 yeah right i'll before, be honest with you right before no right yeah. before the like and you like uh, shania twain but well, shania I, twain like her, with, with jeff mutt lang with the rock and roll production yeah. and the twin fiddles and then dixie chicks and and, yeah, and, okay. and big and rich it really kind of completely changed at that point Point, but from '85 with Vern Gosden uh, all the way through Garth and the the vocal bands like Little Texas and Diamond Rio and Shenandoah, I thought that stuff was, was all, Alabama out. Well, yeah, oh, Alabama they, has been out since what the late '70s, early '80s. Yeah, okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and see, I don't, I don't know exactly what artists span that that right. genre. Per yeah, se. right. No, that was great music, and that was well, and that was when country. every good writer from L.A., London, New York. We're all moving to Nashville, Nashville yeah, to write really to that. write that great sense. stuff. Well, and it's Nashville's been a, a hotbed, obviously, for country music for a long time. But for writers but as well. Well, yeah, but it's like if you go to Nashville now, and it's been this way for a while, you know, you go into one place, man, this 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 group or this guy or whatever, this is really good. Well, then you just go next door, and, and that guy's really it's it's a cutthroat it, place down it, there it because is. everybody's great and everybody's playing right. to and, make a living. And literally, and like in the, like I mentioned, the cover band I played in the Markers, like oh, this is Tim McGraw. Uh, road bass yeah, player yeah. and he's off the road now so he's sitting in with us tonight yeah. you know what I mean so yeah you, you get a lot of ter- tremendous players that being said you know a- as intimidating as that might be for a player who's trying to make a career as a session guy or whatever writing is a whole nother ball game you yeah. know you can't teach that you can get a whole lot better at it the more and more you write and, and again since that's such a specific type of writing yeah. a precise type of writing but but you didn't find like oh my gosh that's a great writer oh my gosh she's a great writer at the, at the writer's nights it's like man you know good guitar player good singer died in the wool country guy but not necessarily really strong writing yeah. well and I think it's worth being said and, and I, Garth Brooks is great yeah. I mean Garth Brooks not something I listen to every day but his hits are, are, are yeah. they're hits for a reason they're right. very very good right and I'm not a huge fan, but I would listen to that over 90, we'll say 99. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 99%. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of country guys out there that I really, we'll say mainstream country that I think are really good. And I've, I've said it before, Stapleton to me is I the best thing Luke that's Holmes happened to country. I think is about the only one that's not, eh, that's at least. See, I'm not, a, I think. I'm not a Luke Combs guy. I'm not Luke either. But, said it before. but anyway, what I, I was getting at was the horrible. fact that, that if I'm taking somebody that I didn't really care about from that era over what we got now, it, it's, it's saying something, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I can name them for days. I, 
and, and and as you got into the, the later 2000s, there was a lot of people that, I mean, I, I think Keith Urban's very good. He's a hell of a guitar player. Yeah, um, so is Brad. Yeah. Joe, Brad Paisley's a great guitar yeah, he's player. fucking too. amazing. And his earlier stuff was good, but it, 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 the industry and the country yeah. changed a lot, yeah. and it happens to a lot of people because there's guys like Jason Aldean, who I'm a firm believer in, his first two albums were very, very good, but then you get there, you get some fame, you get some more, you know, industry yeah. labels telling you, this is what we need to do, and then your sound completely changes. Right. And I mean, I'm a lot older than you guys, yeah. and so when I was in Nashville, the stuff that I really liked was, you know, more family-oriented type stuff, you know, good relationship and story songs or poignant stuff about lies but yeah. it wasn't so much what, about drink substance. it wasn't about drinking and it wasn't about tough chicks that beat people up and <laughs> and and what it became so that stuff is kind of a turn off to me if i want to hear that i want rock and roll i yeah. don't want to really hear that from country mm-hmm. well yeah and and i mean as you had said earlier the, the songwriting is well, you, I mean, songwriting is very different. The, you know, very different. The, the storytelling aspect's still there, but they very don't different. have they don't have very interesting no. stories to tell in my book. Well, you know, we we love we love people like like Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, and and a lot of their lyrics are you know they're gorgeous lyrics, but again, they're not super literal yeah. lyrics. You you don't know what the artist, and we call that artist driven. Like we don't know and we don't care because we love the sound of it. But again, for the the country is a music for the masses. It's basically one four five chords with an occasional two and mm-hmm. six minor in it. So it's very very basic and limited as far as melody and you're really there to deliver this story. Yeah, and you can't really venture off too much from that no, at all. No, no. You can't or it doesn't sound like no. country. That's, well, that's the thing that I love about and music. It's, it's funny because you know, there's it's not very technical nowadays. You know, most country no. songs you can hear if you're a, you know, an, a decent that's why I not love even Brad decent. If you're, awesome. if you're a okay guitar player, you could probably pick out most of the stuff that's going on where, you know, there's a lot of things musically that made that earlier. Even I'm not going to say just nineties, but well, being, just being, a 20, being a 28 year old, the nineties is what's you know most relevant to me. Look but, at the way the slide guitar has changed so much. So yeah. like in the sixties and the seventies and even in the eighties, like you heard a lot of slide, like solos, you heard yeah. like good slide players. Now it's a lot of just like, uh, there's an, there's something that, that you hold against the guitar and it'll give that like almost Ebo. like an Ebo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an Ebo. Like you hear, they almost like have that effect to them they're only you, playing in yeah. like little melodies and just little fillers yeah. and stuff you know, it's like, not the same anymore. you guys you were talking about the quality of players so i mean i yeah. did a lot of demoing down there and i did i couldn't use or have access to the a team but i had the b team and you had guys like at least in the in the mid 90s let's say uh guitarist uh, troy lancaster jt corin floss hey like that name and these guys were i mean like troy lancaster he could play freaking jazz as who's the who's the the brent brent mason the big big uh nashville session guy yeah. i mean he's a jazz rock country they could do anything, anything yeah. you know and that's the that's the level of quality of players here yeah i just think it's a huge difference nowadays as far as it goes with country but you know other genres kind of morphed into what country was and it's like the americana that's out now you're tyler childers man and i stuff think like you can blame kind of a lot country. of that shit on the writers though too because like like you said earlier that well they so get, much of like popular nashville music is driven by writers that aren't the the people singing it well, like well, that, that's yeah, been that way for yeah but they're Years. But they're trying to get the cuts, right? Which is yeah. so difficult to do. So ultimately, ultimately, it's the producers and maybe even more the labels that are saying, "Can we do something? Can right. we yeah, do? Can we do too. something just like that? Because mm. that's a big hit." And uh, yeah, give us what sells. And so we yeah. want something just is, like yeah. that. And that happens in every genre, of course. For sure. 
but but you what you said a moment ago it's it, it is it's like everything's morphed together so country sounds like pop christian sounds like pop yeah pop sounds like pop yeah <laughs> uh, it, 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 you know yeah well uh, yeah it's it's a very different thing yeah you know even when you were in nashville compared to what now oh. and I, i've said it before I, I just find it crazy because i think the most modern country sounds so similar that you can't you can't tell them apart Yeah, and the shit that we think that we like, like tyler children's is way more like americana yeah, and folk it, yeah. than it is like um, what we consider country. they are to me what the outlaw country guys yeah, yeah, were exactly. back in the day exactly um but i just i find it so crazy and i don't hate on anybody for what they like to listen to because i've said before you can not like something because it's not your taste but yeah. when it's talented it's you talented. recognize it's good you, stuff you recognize it's talent and I, I, it, it, it blows my mind that there's people out there today that are just okay with listening to so, modern country yeah. even the radio and everything well, sounding so similar don't want to sound like a prick but well you know we're aware we are the music dicks <laughs> yeah we're aware the difference in the level that the average listener listens to music at yeah compared to different ears musicians well, like a, us even you more so than like me or him even because you i mean you've listened to a lot of jazz but you play jazz like it is entire well, you do get jazz, a different ear music, you know period I mean? But, I mean jazz is a very complex thing it it's is. like harder to play yeah, than, it is it's probably in my opinion the hardest type it of is. music to play that it isn't is. like it is you know, like traditional it classical tru- it music. It truly but, is. It truly is. Well, it's one big solo. But, um, <laughs> kind of. But, like a lot sometimes. But again, we listen with such completely yeah, different yeah. ears, not only on a production level, but, you know, like the things that make us want to vomit, like with Eddie uh, Vedder's Eddie voice. Vedder. It's like, it's a very Thomas. visceral, physical yeah, yeah. thing. It's a, it's, it could probably yeah. analyze at the rate at which that vibrato was going. It is literally making you physically ill. Yeah. But my point being that not to take anything away from the average listener, because we need them, um, uh, they they're satisfied with a whole lot less than yeah, they are, and 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 where and I always think about that word derivative, right? Like something might be really good, but a person that's informed goes. It is really good. I like it. But you know, it sounds just like so-and-so yeah. and he copped it from so-and-so, yeah. whereas the listener doesn't do that, really. Well, and it's like I've said before, we listen with different ears because not only are we musicians, yeah, yeah. but you know, we hear a lot more. We consume a lot more music than what your average I just listen to Radio Country does. And it's like I talked to Joel, and hopefully by now you guys have already heard that episode, but if you haven't, um, Joel Pru, has, uh, he did our album. He's a, he's a fantastic engineer, producer, you know, editor of, of music we record in his studio. But to him... It, it, it would drive me crazy to have his ears and edit and, and mix and yeah, all the things that he to does. Say is that even mixers like people that produce and stuff have even like well, you, finer tuned ears you can, and listen to different you things. You can enjoy music the way you once did because yeah. not only are you listening it to, to for enjoyment, but you're listening. Oh well, that's that's too far back in the mix yeah, or this needs turned up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would drive me nuts. Dude, that's that's to me in the like last that. like two years for sure. Is yeah. just like hearing production quality because I talk about it all the time. It's all the little things that I hear the panning and the shit like a waxa moxa or whatever the fuck that Grateful Dead yeah. did. When you put on headphones, like for the most part of that album, it just sounds like they're fucking circling around your head. Like that kind of shit's what I find cool. Well, and I think it's it's worth being said that even with every music nowadays, a lot of stuff is overproduced. Yeah. And I've heard people say, "Well, you can't be overproduced." It's a thing. Dude, I think some of it's underproduced. Well, right? look, it, it, well, yes, it, I, I don't know. It, I think yes, that it's so no. overproduced that, that it makes underprod- it sound yeah. underproduced. That's um, fair. But you look at people like the Beatles and stuff like that who made great music that were recording on next to nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't. Record- Four track, yeah, four track, eight track. If they were lucky, you know, and, and look, Dude, at, look the at the stuff. nineties and the way that they well, had to add like reverse effects. They had to like reel in yeah. a whole other fucking tape as they're like recording and yeah, stuff. I'm just, it's a nightmare, and that was in the nineties, let alone back. Well, then, and look man. at Hendrix. Hendrix was using backwards guitars all the time. Exactly. But like I'm saying, you know, they didn't have what we had to be able to record with today, and and the quality is is uh, has gone down. 
down in a lot of a lot of places as right. where it once was well, years ago. You know, let's let's face it, right? There's like seven billion souls on the face of the planet, right? And there's been so much content produced and getting more and more all the time. Everything saturated. So how does one sound unique or make a yeah. statement or it's I think it's pretty much impossible to play anything now that isn't like you haven't heard from somewhere or hasn't been somewhere right. and it, it or not. And at the same time, you know, I'm not really like a music consumer. Yeah. But again, with the with the the Dish Network, I'll have on these back back pages. I think one or you know these different singer songwriter stations and this and that alternative. And I'm constantly like, I love that sound. Yeah, I love yeah. that song. I've never heard that well, band before. I, oh, I love that guy's voice. So it still happens, uh, and it's amazing, that's right? Why I love Sirius, honestly. Right. Yeah, Spotify a lot. To to that point, I think it's great though to be a music lover and kind of discover something or somebody yeah. and be able to tell somebody like, hey, that's like with Fat Function. I've showed you them multiple mm-hmm. times. Like, I really enjoy what they do, and they're not a huge band, especially around these parts. But you sh- like, I showed them to uh, Bob Workman the other day, and Bob Workman was like, "This is incredible. It sounds like Tower of Power, but New Age Tower of Power." And to kind of discover that artist and show somebody an artist that they haven't heard, I think that, that right. it gives you some gusto. You know, right. it makes you feel great about yourself. Right. So anyway, we'll jump out of this. So you've got the smooth jazz project going on. You've got the crooked roots as well. You've got your uh, astrophotography as well, and all your oh, what's the correct word for it? Um, the little online things. Astrophotography. Yeah. What now? See, you don't know that much about war. What? Yeah. Yeah. So very quickly in Nashville. I mean, I loved astronomy as a kid, and I uh, had a you know, reasonable telescope, which I kind of forgot about and sold, you know, college days when music really captured everything in my heart and mind and soul. Uh, but in Nashville, my hobby became astrophotography, which back when the film days yeah. would be, you know, what they called uh, hypersensitized film in a 35 millimeter camera hooked up to telescopes and tracking the sky for like hour long exposures and all this stuff. So when Nashville kind of imploded and uh, didn't quite, you know, hit the hit the, the brass ring like I wanted to, um, at some point, uh, my hobby became my business. So, uh, you know, we're in the digital age, of course, and I started using digital, what they call CCD, charge couple device, astronomical cooled cameras to image through, you know, various telescopes and stuff. Some I owned, some I would, you know, pay for time on whatever, but I became a very good visual artist in the, in the image, huh. image processing of astronomical data. And I'm talking, you know, high resolution galaxies and nebulae and stuff like that. That's and awesome. well, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, in my world, it's like any world you're in, you think everybody does what you do, right? Yeah. Even though we realize that's not true. But I, I realized that with production and writing skills, um, again, with the Nashville <laughs> training on top of being a very good natural writer, I I, uh, with our, with my partner, we mentioned Joel Prue, the recording engineer, his dad, Pete Prue is my partner in Buffalo. And he runs a website called IP4AP.com, which is image processing number four, astrophotography.com. And it's a streaming video tutorial site on how to process this stuff and make pretty pictures in Photoshop or even more specific Astro software. That's and yeah, sweet. I, wind, I did I, not know that. I wound up being a, you know, an internationally known teacher. I have two editions of a book on Springer Nature, which is a major science <laughs> publisher. And that was my all in all because music broke my heart and shattered my spirit when I left Nashville. And so this became my new thing. It was an artistic outlet. I made some of my best friends and acquaintances uh, 
uh, in the vendors who made this made the software and the hardware and all of that stuff. I got you know became involved in that world. So really, I thought music was uh, you know dead to me. Really, I got so far away from it by by a few years back. See, that's really interesting. I wouldn't have expected that at all. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Cool, cool, cool. Warren Billy, of- uh, I'm going to quote Carl Sagan. My my art website is billionsandbillions.com. So literally, I got that URL since probably '99. So go to billionsandbillions.com and you'll see what I do. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm please have to do. check that out. Yeah, billionsandbillions.com. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. check that out. Warren has a lot of proverbial irons in the fire. That's awesome. Yeah, and yet you know I'm such a kind of a delicate soul, right? Like, I mean, I can only do so much at any one time. And I've always been really an all eggs in one basket kind of a person. So it was very, and it's still very difficult to want to you know, work on the new tunes and record all day when I've got to turn out a new tutorial because there's been this change to this program that my 1,500 subscribers need need to know and are going to be clamoring and then playing with Josh pre-COVID on, you know, every weekend and stuff. So uh, again, I mean, I can multitask with the best of them, but it's very destructive mentally and emotionally yeah. on me. All right. So you got the smooth jazz thing, as we, we, we've mentioned, spontaneous groove and combustion. Um, if you don't know, by now you should check them out Thank on you. Spotify um, very very good stuff and I know that Tristan's not smooth jazz isn't something that would be a, a throw on to you it's not something that you go to and listen I mean, I'd like to uh, but, well, yeah. but my point is, is that you don't do it so. I'm going to use Tristan's accent honestly yeah um, <laughs> honestly you know I mean again as I shared with you I'm a rocker through and through uh, I didn't love jazz until other than stage band in school I, did, I, I didn't love it you know again very ly- lyrically driven and um and and that word smooth really bothers me, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard Ke- you say that before. Yeah, Kenny G's a wonderful player, yeah. but but his style of music is very it's just too light and, yeah. and too mellow for me. And so that's smooth. So I love funk, right? Yep. And so if I'm doing if I'm in the smooth, I like to call it sea jazz, which you know, contemporary jazz, which which you'll hear on on Sirius. I yeah. mean it's but but I mean, you know, acid jazz, funk. See jazz. It's not like I'll never do a mellower smooth, but the, but I really like con- contemporary slash smooth when I, f- I talk I like about s- the genre. Yeah, I feel like smooth is kind of the box that you were put in. You know what I mean? By that's what most people know. The, yeah, the majority a, of consumers as a yeah. name of yeah. the, of the genre, and that's fine. Well, and I feel like most people. You, you would hear what quote unquote what smooth jazz is and to your everyday kind of not listener would think that's like elevator Later music. music yeah. yeah, exactly. You know I mean? That's exactly. what most people think. And I feel like a lot of it, there's a lot of stuff out there that sounds very, very similar. And, and I was I was thinking this earlier, but and I, I mean, your stuff sounds great. So I'm not Thank trying you. to say that you sound like everybody else, but and knowing you and getting used to and hearing the way you play, it's like... I can pick that out yeah, in your stuff. I so agree. not only is it you, but it, your flair on right on the jazz on the, is the, not right. Because yeah. again, Tristan, you know, I'm not a trained jazzer, right? I mean, I was a classicist and highly trained, and I'm a you know a, a, a self-taught, basically working rock and roll musician and a country uh, guy. So I missed out on a lot of theory. Yeah, yeah. And I was frankly, I was very afraid of it my whole life. But thank goodness, I've got a good ear, and I've really trained my 
my ear and really over the past five years really worked hard to get more into the jazz thing. See, and, that's kind of crazy to me. I wouldn't have expected that either. I figured you were into it for a long time and like didn't no. have some kind of like theory and training. You know, I, I mean, I, again, as a classical player, you you know you, have, you, yeah. you know your major scales. Uh, you've got to use your ear. Um, and 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 in, <laughs> Doss is like, what's a scale? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, in in C jazz and smooth, I mean, even though those players are typically so damned good, they could play anything, including bebop, hard bop, uh, modal jazz, kind of a thing. Modal you, jazz is crazy. You know, I can I can do some of that, but you can't put me in a you know Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Charlie Parker environment. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, it's I I I, I dropped. I, I didn't touch the horn for twelve years. And I'll just tell you real quick if you'd like to know what kind of happened. Yeah. Uh, do we have time? Oh, yeah. there's plenty of time. Yeah. So what happened was again because I'm my world is astrophotography. And because I'm writing books, music is just fading more and more into the background. Even not picking up the acoustic guitar anymore and singing a little bit to myself. Yeah, every day, my, like, works away at Right, it. right. And so, it really stopped. Even that stopped. And then uh, my wife, Christine, uh, who's a jewelry maker, very talented uh jewelry maker. She's involved in a lot of art stuff. She's a Tamarack artist here in West Virginia. She's president of the Buchanan Artistry on Maine and stuff. So she's involved in like some of the events, you know what I mean? Like Buchanan had its Festival Fridays, yeah. they called it, at Jawbone Park. I'm talking to an international audience and talking about Buchanan, yeah. West well, Virginia. Right, You're like, sorry. what the heck is this? Just, the majority of our listeners are from the state. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so it was a, a season-ending Festival Friday in, I think, 2015, where all of these Wesleyan kids are playing in these jazz combos. I'm like, what the? These guys are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. There's a guy, Adam Loudon, that teaches over in Weston. He's a middle school hey, teacher. He was my ex-wife's daughter's choir teacher. And Adam is this killer bebop trumpet, trumpet player yeah, and, gr and great teacher. I'm like, where are these kids coming from? Then I hear this James Moore, Dr. James Moore, who's a fairly young guy who was the head of the jazz program at freaking Wesley in this little this little school and these kids are all good so i got really kind of something started to happen inside yeah. me i got really kind of really kind of uh why can't i think of the word uh inspired and then the very same event the next year in 2016 it would have been like the fall now there's this saxophone player and josh knows phil yeah. summers who i've had sub for me with with josh a couple a while. times we haven't seen phil in a while shout out to phil it's been and, it's been a while and, he, and he's and he's a now a, a like an elementary music teacher as well but a really good young player and so that was it. Like something, some wall just came crashing down. And I was with my, my wife wasn't there. She couldn't, she, she was probably working away selling jewelry, but I was with my neighbor friends, Dave and Amy, and I, I love them. And, and it was like the whole thing was like this magical thing. I go home, I take the Selmer Mark 6 tenor out of the case. I'm like almost at like in an altar, at an altar of, yeah, of saxophone. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Of saxophone. And from that day forward, and again, that was probably like uh, September of 2016, it was daily practice, upgrading, trying new horns, finding the right mouthpiece, uh, practice. And then um, that kind of started again, knowing my personality. Well, what can I do with this, right? Yeah. It's like, am yeah. I, I'm kind of getting good at this. Can I, can I write some stuff? So I'll, I'll stop there unless you want to ask me something. Well, I, I think it's, and I'd mentioned Bob Workman earlier. Right. 
Bob Workman was kind of our our connector because right. Warren and I have known each other for it's been about two a little over two years basically right I think 2016 yeah, August, in the summer right? August 2016 of, uh, or not 2016 no. forgive me 2018 I was like mm. September is two years <laughs> yeah 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 first band gig yep um, well and before okay. that um, Bob Workman had messaged me and said you know I've got a friend that plays saxophone and um, you know I know you got your open mic night you know should I send him your way and I said you know sure and uh, I, Warren you could tell the story that you because I, I, I think it's fantastic because not that you know Warren thinks my shit doesn't stink but Warren is very highly you know um, complimentary complimentary is the word I was looking for that's what we'll go at um, of, of me and my playing and my enamored. musical abilities <laughs> yeah and he's obsessed um, but um, yeah Workman I guess it, it showed you who I was or you had looked up videos or something like that I'll let you take it from there but yeah so it was like I couldn't I couldn't get anywhere like I'd go out to hear jazz guys locally and kind of befriend them and and literally literally made a made a couple of reasonable friendships but nobody would nobody would let me play with them at yeah. all they were all teachers or professors they'd all played with each other for decades and it's like yeah no. not in a circle yeah right couldn't get anywhere and so and i wanted to try to play something in the jazz realm after a, a, a career of rock and roll, right? And so, uh, yeah, so Bob Workman is actually vice president of the West Virginia Jazz Society. So and and, and it's, it's Eric... Uh, Eric Spellsberg. Spellsberg, yeah. yeah. Spellsberg. And, and Bob is a drummer, and Bob has actually sat in with us... Uh, multiple times. Multiple yeah. times. And he says, we got we to gotta find you somebody to play with, he says. And he says, so, so there's this young guy, he's, he does this open mic night down at this uh, the starting line lounge. It's in your town. I'm like, what, what, what is the starting line lounge? I've never heard of this place. Not that I would, right? And um, so I checked Josh out on Facebook, and you were kind of sitting around, I think, with that Epiphone and yeah. kind of dicking around a little bit. Oh, yeah. Noodling. And I, and I'm Noodling like, was I'm the like, title I'm of like, it. Yeah. I'm like, this guy, this guy really not that good, man. I don't, I don't even know if I really want to even go down there, you know? So I'm like, you know what? Let me do it. So I go down, and uh, Josh was being his typical jackass self because he didn't, he didn't know me, you know? And I'm like, you know, can I, can I sit in with you? And oh, yeah. You were almost like like as if I was going to go up there and play my sax by myself, and I'm yeah. like like you know can I sit in with you? And uh, it's like yeah sure. Talk about talk about magical right connections. I mean yeah. it was almost instantaneous. That's like how I, it is, man. It's so weird. I see him kind of rolling his eyes and thinking, and I first I was like oh he doesn't like me either, uh, but I'm like no I'm snake charming him. And, and, and so Josh has got the googly eyes going and I'm like jeez this kid's really good I mean his, his voice his guitar playing his style everything so we played three sets together that night god damn and, and <laughs> okay. I wasn't going anywhere and I came back the following Tuesday night and did it again and then he's like you gotta join this band and I'm like well jeez you know I really wanna play jazz we had to and, go through a lot of hardships to get you in that said band right well. right um, no it, it's it's very funny and, and we, we had had because I, I've always said, and people that have known me for a long time prior, you, um, I, I had always wanted that big band type of sound, whether it's one horn or a horn section. And we had found somebody who, before we had met, was playing with us and um, very talented and very good. And then we got together and and, and not only on a musical level, but a, a philosophical and, and just, you know, we, we were able to, we, we meshed very, very well. And I was like, well, you know, I, I think this is the, the, the right road. There's a fork here and this is the road that we need to take and uh, i kind of talked it over with everybody that was playing with us at the time and they were kind of all for it so we had to fire someone and make room for you and there's no hard feelings there you know at least for me but um <laughs> i'm just saying there's no hard feelings i don't even know if he's gonna ever listen but i'm just saying yeah there's no hard feelings 
Uh, I keep saying that like there is hard feelings. <laughs> like I'm saying that like I can't tell you enough. I really don't think yeah. there's a... Yeah. I swear I don't believe that there... As far but, as I know, but, you sound like President Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we won't go there. We'll lose some listeners. Right. Uh, probably all of them. But anyway, um, you know, I uh, we had somebody and it's like, you know, you uh, with all the years that you had been doing it, it just, it was the better fit. So that's the way we went. I won't say there's not any hard feelings again because I've already got that point across. But it... it, it it just it, it meshed and it, and it fit very very well and, and to this day I, 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 it's 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 magical what we kind of do on stage and and nothing against anybody whether it's Eric whether it's Brian whether it's Bob because our drummer Bob is a phenomenal drummer and I know that I'm only 28 years old I've been around a lot of drummers Bob is fantastic and Eric kicks a lot of ass yeah on well and and with all that being said and there's still nights where we'll go on stage where you know you can agree it's oh I don't want to play I don't want to play but then you get there and the camaraderie yeah. kicks in and then the magic happens on stage yeah whether there's five or 50 or 100 it well, doesn't matter and unfortunately not always right because yeah. because sometimes a, a small crowd or a crowd that just refuses to engage yeah. and, and give you, you any a, feedback you until <laughs> the end of the night when they go yeah. you guys were Right. Yeah. Well, why didn't you show us? Yeah, give us shit. some sign. We really would have played for you. They're you too busy I mean? on Facebook, right? Yeah. Or pool, playing pool, or yeah. drinking, or whatever. But um, what we're we gonna say? No, yeah, not all the time. But when we're in that magic zone, yeah, That's it is why fantastic. Me and Chance come and see you guys, and we scream the whole time. Well, we love when you when you guys come. <laughs> and Josh is, you know, Josh has got rap influences and a little hip hop. And I'm a yeah. funk. I'm a funk blues guy. You know, as much as I am a Get rock and roll. Yeah, man, you guys hit a lot of shit. You really. So that's why I think the mix is so cool, right? Well, and, and I've said it before, and and people, you know, everybody says it, but like we're different. You're not going to hear somebody no, around here that sounds like we do, right. Because of the influences that we have, right? You know, you've got you who've got this this laundry list of, of of past musical experiences that you have, and then you got Bob who was in Texas for years playing drums, who also has written and sang his own country right. music, right? You know, for a while we had Brian there who was very metal, very a very very Black Sabbath and Judas Priest, very early metal influenced, and mm-hmm. then you got a guy who's playing bass with us now, and Eric who is very ACDC and that classic rock so there's it's all over the place and and i have a very big range of music that i love yeah because i i'm the firm believer of whether you like this genre i always try to find or or this song or this artist i try to find something that i can compliment yeah. or yeah. say hey i really like this about there's it. a band in every genre well somebody yeah as you as josh said i mean I, I won't i won't use the the enamored word is it odessa i've got to show you an edm band they have a big band with them you need to listen to them okay. They're the grizz i think maybe <laughs> Before I forget. Yeah. But the thing about Josh is, again, he's got such a unique... He's a stylist, you know. He puts a really different spin on things. There are many things we do, and I'll give a for instance uh, what what I got yeah, Sublime. by Sublime, and I love doing that song with him, right? And I and I actually like doing a lot of the Dave Matthews. But when I heard the video for that Sublime thing, I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like to me, it was like this is horrible. It's freaking yeah. horrible. Well, it's like <laughs> you with every Dave song, basically. And I don't. Yes, I really I don't particularly like Dave Matthews. You heard it here first. There's somebody I, in my band that yeah, I, I, I mean, play I, music with I, that I, doesn't. Like I appreciate the musicianship that oh, he's had, and I don't think he's untalented. It's just lyrically, he d- he really doesn't speak to me and kind of rubs me a bit the wrong way vocally. It's just not anyway. I'm not going to harp on it. Not my thing. <laughs> but I love when when we do it, and not only that, Tom Petty. I love Tom Petty. We would both say we love Tom oh, yeah. Petty, Fantastic. but we'll do you know Mar- uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance, and we'll do certain things, and we've come up with these very 
uh, hard, uh, very specific lines. Yeah. And then I listen back to the records. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. not even there. Yeah. We kind of really created that. Yeah, yeah you recreate well, And that's what, uh, there's a lot of people out there that kind of frown, we'll call them the real musicians that frown upon anybody that's in a cover band. Oh, you're not doing it. Well, we're not playing, we're not a tribute band. No, and we're not a note-for-note note, uh, yeah. cover band. We're yeah. really a jam band that does very interesting spins on cover yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel like there's anything out there that you can make your own, and that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, we do Floyd, and although it's very jammy and Floydy, it's it's not Pink Floyd. I mean, no, it's very different. Hendrix, Dave Matthews, I mean, you can name them for days, but that's... Uh, like that's when a, you guys did it at the Crooked Fest, dude, that was fucking what's awesome. What's that? Comfortably No. Oh, well, Breathe in Time, you mean. Or comfortably numb. No, yeah, I forgot you did the yeah. No, comfortably numb is the one yeah. I'm thinking of. Um, but, I mean, it's just, we, we put our own spin on things. So, anyway, you know, we'll, we'll jump back into the smooth jazz world real quick. So, sea um, jazz. Yeah, sea jazz. <laughs> Jesus, I keep doing it to myself. But, I mean, you, you've got radio singles out right now, and you've gotten a lot of good traction when it comes to, you know, radio plays, whether it's online radio or, you know, with Sirius recently. You know, like any genre, there's a ton of competition. There's a ton of really talented people, but it's but it's an approachable genre, right? It's not a big money genre. And so it's approachable. There's a network in place that if you pay some money and you work with the right people and they like what you're doing, they won't work with you if they don't. There's there's real possibility of you're you know out there. yeah getting somewhere at least being heard certainly by you know hundreds of thousands of people. That's not going to make for a successful you know career. It's not even necessarily like we were talking, Tristan. I mean, at two to seven cents a stream, and you're spending thousands of dollars to promote each one yeah, of your radio singles you have to you know really get to that next level have to tour to like fucking pay off exactly for right radio play. exactly nice. right if you're a if you're a touring working group and in my case i'm essentially a lone producer uh doing my own thing right so i rely on tracks and and sophisticated software like band in the box to generate tracks and wait a minute so you don't actually have a band with you correct so it's all you Correct, but I, I did not know that. But I don't. But you know, again, I can I can pluck out a you know a synth keyboard yeah, yeah, bass yeah. or something. But stuff, I'm not probably. a pianist, and 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 so I've been fortunate again to work with some cool software. But I'm kind of getting to that level where I mean, a I love camaraderie. I love working with a band. I would love to do that. But but circumstances were such that you know, let me play with you guys. It just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So I took a detour. I'm like, well, you know what? I think I'm writing some good stuff, and I started sending it out. And, and I hate to go into that predeterminism garbage. You know, I used to be all about that fatalism. Oh my gosh, I'm writing with so-and-so and he's connected to so-and-so and so-and-so likes us. And that's matters, definitely going to happen, but it never, it never did. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like very powerful, but it would always fall short. So I really try to avoid that coincidental uh, serendipitous stuff. But in this case, again, it was like within two days, you know, a record promoter in Southern California and this brander... Uh, in Northern California, it's like, you know, we think this can work for contemporary radio. We, we want to, we'd like to work with you. So it's like, you know what? There's, might as well. They might as well. And, and again, it's, it's difficult financially, but at the same time, after a lifetime of striving to really get somewhere, having an opportunity to get a little somewhere, it's just, it, it's intoxicating. Yeah, it's worth You it. know, people actually like what you're doing. So with all this being said, other than the Spotify, obviously, you're on Apple Music as well. Yeah. 
haven't done great. You know, haven't done nearly as good as I'd like at any of those uh, things. But uh, well, I'm just saying for people to be able to find it. Yeah, Spotify, Apple, Shazam, and uh, and. Uh, what else is there um, today? A Pandora a little yeah. bit. And, uh, and, and, and really, smoothjazz.com uh, is one of the many digital broadcasters, tons of them really out there today. And thank goodness for the indie broadcasters, too, because they're really the ones that are supporting you. So as exciting as it was to have somebody as terrific and, and, and uh, prominent as Dave Koz play you on Sirius XM Watercolors on his Dave Koz Lounge, it's really these indie guys. Yeah, that are spinning you every day for their audience of thousands uh, or, you know, and so... Yeah, the, the listening chance is much greater right. with, with them all. Some of my favorite artists are just artists I've like stumbled upon for no reason right. that were played yeah. on, you know, some little thing or recommended sure. to me, so... Sure. So, you can find them on all those platforms as far as the music right. goes itself, yeah. And spontaneousgroovencombustion.com so it would be G-R-O-O-V-I-N not grooving, right? Spontaneousgroovencombustion.com would be the website. Uh, you'll find us on on YouTube with some cool little videos that I put together myself and uh, and of course the old Instagram Twitter thing but uh, really appreciate if you're into jazz at all funk uh, check it out like us follow and uh, we appreciate you spreading the good word about it okay so let's hop back onto the Crooked Rouge train yeah. here because um, Tristan's never heard this story and I, I had brought this up with Joel before I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast we might have talked about it off the podcast we did talk about this section so I'll tell Tristan like I'm talking to Tristan and all the listeners out there. So we go to record our album. And at first I'm like, you know, we, we need to record a live album. That's what we need more. It's like, no, we need we need radio singles to, to, to gain some traction, to get some people to know who we are. So once we got talked into the radio singles, these 12 and 15 minute songs that we did live turned into three and a half, under four minute songs. We had two rehearsals with the full band and one or two with just Warren and I completely reconstructing these songs to get them down <laughs> to three and four minutes. And and mind you, it, it, it took some time because I'm I'm of the very much we need to play this out kind of you know mindset of twelve and thirteen minute songs. Yeah. That's where I come from. That's where I'm at. That's what we do. So we changed everything and we kind of got it written down to what we wanted it and how we liked it. So we bought big big cue cards is what Joel called them and just big poster board and we wrote verse one <laughs> measures you know yeah. and then into pre chorus chorus and then we would put little things for cues for instance like Bob, Bob yeah Bob, exclamation point Bob exclamation point. <laughs> There's a part where um, after the first verse Bob's supposed to everything's supposed to off out and Bob's just go, you know, have a little fill there and then come back in. So it was Bob. And then like um, my low vocal parts and come inside, it said Barry White on it. You know, different little cues. So we wrote up these cards come inside. and Joel was like, you know, I, I couldn't believe how quickly we got stuff done and like you guys you, I've never worked with somebody that came into the studio before and you had these cue cards letting everybody know where they were at where they need to be in the song this was four measures this is eight Dude, counts it fucking helps man all this stuff. you just you get lost in so, a lot so of we do all this and, and the story is and nobody's really heard this and I don't think I've talked about it on anything either um, so we, we go up to New York Warren and I drive up on Thursday night um, and we plan to record Friday morning well Bob decided he was going to drive up Friday morning and then last minute said no I'm driving up Thursday so he met us at Joel's house we unload everything into the studio and then we go back to our hotel Brian drove up Friday morning at like he drove all night he left at like midnight one o'clock got there at 6 a.m. we were eating breakfast at Denny's he pulls in he has breakfast with us so we go down to record so we start off getting scratch tracks with just guitar and then we get drums and bass and Brian and, and Bob are done and it's Friday evening and Brian and Bob leave Buffalo and drive back to West Virginia. So it's Warren and I for the next two days recording and 
you know, we stayed at the Red Roof Inn, the, the infamous Red Roof Inn. And um, I told Joel this too. I said, you know, we would finish recording, go have dinner, whatever we would do. And then we would talk about, you know, take a shower, whatever. And then we, you know, let's go over to the, the Doubletree because the Doubletree, there was a bar at the Hilton um, right across Doubletree, whatever it was, right across the, the, the way there. So we'd walk over there at the end of the night. And I don't remember the guy's name Yeah, off the top of my head. He was into model trains. I model remember. trains. Tim. Yeah. Tim. Tim. I think that sounds right. We'll call him Tim. Uh, Tim's never going to hear this but that's his name. We'll call him Tim. <laughs> so we would sit there at the bar and we would drink and I believe it was playoff basketball. It was because the Celtics were on and that's my team. And we were sitting there watching that and people would come in and go, we have conversations, whatever. So the first night we started having a conversation about scotch. I mean, you remember this? And uh, I was like, well, I don't know if I really like scotch. And one's like, oh, I don't know if I like scotch either. So we start ordering scotch. Here's a $6 glass. Here's a $12 glass. All this. And we're like comparing it and tasting it. So as the night goes on, I, I don't want to get into specifics because I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings or, or bring up anything we shouldn't. But at the end of the night, Friday night, we're there until they close the bar down. It's like 2 a.m., whatever time they close it down. And our bill was into the, I think, close to the 200, somewhere in there. It was pretty expensive. Yeah, single malt, Glenn yeah. compared to Glenn <laughs> yeah. Fittage. Glenn Fittage, yeah. <laughs> and we sat there all night and drank. And so we, we go to the bar. And I, I don't know how we did it, but we get up at like 6 a.m. after going to bed at like 2. And I think Tim cut us a nice break on the bill, if I recall. Yeah, well, let's hope his bosses don't ever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> up there yeah. in Tonawanda. Yeah. And don't call it North Tonawanda because no. them Tonawandians get pissed right, off. Right. Anyway, so the first night we drank, we go back to the hotel, we get up like 6, 7 a.m. and go record. Mind you, Brian and Bob are gone. So everything they've recorded is there. You know, there's no fixing it. That's yep. what we're working with. So um, Saturday, we start working on guitar. And, you know, we're in the studio from we, you know, 6, 7 a.m., whatever it was, until dinner time at night. We go get dinner. You feel like going to the, I don't know if we feel, I think we had the one Saturday night we laid there until like 10 or 11. We were like, oh, we'll get over to the bar for a little bit. So Warren called <laughs> the check the first night and i'm like all right i'll get it this night well we didn't quite run it up to 200 but it was about 100 and something so i got the bill that night and once again sunday morning we're rolling into the studio at 6 7 a.m and i'm doing vocals and uh it was i just i told joel when we were up there i'm like man i i really don't know how we got everything finished in three days and us getting like four hours of sleep like eight hours the whole week yeah like eight hours of sleep between the three days or you know between friday and saturday nights and i said i don't know how we ever got it done and and uh joel's like well i don't know either man but he's like i've worked with a lot of people that weren't quite as professional as you guys because you know we, we went in there we did what we had to do and we got out right and um it's funny because you know warren you were at the time was were very very sure that you weren't going to keep your horn parts right. I generally you, hate everything yeah. <laughs> I do, and I hadn't yeah. really had time because for me, you know, for a horn player, you kind of would really like to have a finished yeah. track to then weave in and yep. out yeah. of. So I figured, no, 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 we're not going to use anything I do up there. Yeah, and you start recording, and Pete. Joel's dad and Joel and, and Pete is Joel's dad. So Joel, Pete and myself are sitting in the engineer booth and we're just like, no, that's good. Oh, I want to do it again. No, that's it. That's the one you should yeah, do. I'm like, no, I hated it. No, yeah. that was really good. All, yeah. right, all right. You know, we'll see. Yeah. So we ended up keeping everything, I think for the most yeah. part, maybe. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. So, and, and Joel, we've been, Joel started talking about that. He's like, I can't believe Warren was coming up here thinking that he wasn't going to keep any of us. And we talked him into keeping all of his horn parts. But I think that 
spontaneity and spontaneity spontaneity continuity uh, yeah continuity <laughs> warren's very very good at correcting me he's my pr the guy. english professor <laughs> uh, I, I think that's what it worked really well and i told joel that i i think i thrive better in that pressured environment to where i don't have anything planned i just need to work that may be well true but as you were saying before you know there's there's we're we're human beings we're physical beings right and yeah. typically drinking and not sleeping <laughs> it's yeah. not good for the human voice yeah. Well, Unless you're Johnny Cash. Yeah. Joe, Joe had told me, he's like, hey man, I want to play a song with you when you come up to Buffalo. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, well, what can we what can we do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, can you give me? I was like, Joe, I don't have structure, man. There's no structure to it. We just play. Yeah, I don't want to play with you. I, I got to have structure. He's a very different person. Anyway, we'll get out of these stories. We're about a minute and 15, or a minute, an hour and 15 minutes into the podcast. So spontaneous groove and combustion is your sea jazz. Got it right on that time. Third time's a charm. Um, sea jazz project. You can check them out. Spotify, uh, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your streaming music at smoothjazz.com as well. Um, spontaneous grooving. No G on grooving. Just an N. Right. Combustion.com, right. Right? right? So there's all those places. You can hear them also on Josh Falls being the Crook of Roots. Uh, their yeah. album is also on Spotify, oh, some yeah. Apple Music. Um, you can check us out, and you can check Warren out playing with us. Uh, we appreciate him coming and recording with us. Um, yeah, thank this, you, Warren. That was good to talk to you, man. This is our first real dive into jazz. Not that it was like a real big, deep dive into jazz, but sure, yeah, sure. it was our first dive into jazz. So yeah, Thanks. thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you again next time, guys, uh, on the Music Dicks. Yeah, shoot. We'll see you again. I'll get over and you get circled. The world last ball.